challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. You know, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is the community that grows up around it. I touch on a theme and men who are out there, I, I don't even know personally, will write, will interact, will tell me about their lives, will challenge me or, or maybe broaden something that I've said or encourage something. It really means the world to me. And uh, that's going to be the theme of this podcast because I said something in my last podcast that really triggered some of you in a good way. And so I want to come back to this theme, expand it a bit and uh, see if we can't explore it a bit more uh, in the months and years to come. I said in my last podcast that I'm a big believer in boys' schools, in separate schools for girls and boys at a young age. And uh, this really touched a theme with a lot of you, and some of you wanted me to expand on it, so I'm delighted to do that this time. Uh, Let me begin with a quote from one of my favorite secular sociologists. She's an eminent writer, eminent scholar. And uh, there's a famous quote that she uh, wrote once that I use often, and it's this. This By the way, this scholar is Camille Paglia. It's P-A-G-L-I-A, but in the Italian, of course, that G is is silent, so it's Paglia. And uh, I don't agree with much of what she says. She's the opposite of uh, what I believe in in many areas, abortion, for example, and other things. Um, But I like her grit. I like her just absolute, uh, whatever she believes, she just states it. It doesn't matter how uh, rough it may be or how impolitically correct it might be. And she says that in her quote, and I'm just I'm just summarizing, paraphrasing. She says, a woman simply is, but a man must become. Masculinity is risky and elusive. And it must be, I'm going to use my phrase here, called out by other men. Now, she's not putting women down, obviously. She is a woman and she's a feminist. She says a woman simply is. This mean, What she means by this, even if you don't agree, this is what she's saying, that the changes in a woman's body, her uh, growth from childhood to, to uh, physical womanhood uh, brings the emotions along um, and, and the transformation happens. A woman simply is. She grows. She becomes. And is, that's largely connected to the changes in her body as she becomes goes from girlhood to womanhood. But a man is different. A man has to become, she says. In other words, there has to be a process for growing a man, emerging as a man. It's risky, it's elusive, and it has to be accomplished, basically, by other men. Now, whatever whatever I may or not agree with the, uh, about a woman simply being or a woman simply is, because as a Christian, of course, I believe that both boys and girls need to be mentored and trained and taught and taught why they have what they have on their bodies and what their purposes are and how their emotions work and, and who they are and how God made them. So I'm not saying you can just put a woman in the, in a, in the wild you know, and she's going to biologically grow into what she needs to be as a woman. I don't agree with that. And that may be one of those areas that Camille Polly and I would disagree because she's secular and I'm a Christian. Uh, however, bottom line, uh, I do believe the second part of what she wrote, and that is that a man must become, that masculinity is risky, 
and elusive, and it basically has to be accomplished by the involvement of other men. And this brings me to the theme that I touched on last week, because again, I said that I believe if I if, if very much in separate schools for boys and girls in early age. Now, please don't misunderstand. I want to just give the one caveat I'm going to give in this talk. And that is that I'm, I'm not saying that there should be no schools where girls and boys go to school together. That's crazy. But I will tell you this. If I had a huge amount of money, if I was, if I had Bill Gates kind of money and uh, didn't believe me myself to be called to some other things uh, in the years that I have uh, left in my life, the decades that I have left in my life, I would be thrilled to invest my money and my time and my networking in developing really high quality boys schools, maybe something like one in every state or one in certain strategic states, or maybe several in certain strategic states, and then folks come up from other states could go to those states. I, I don't know exactly how it would work. But like I say, if I had Bill Gates kind of money, if I had just almost endless money through investments and the ability to attract other wealthy investors and so on, I would develop a national network of boys' schools, high-quality, uh, really high-quality, try to keep the cost down, and and really develop champion young men. Now, what's the rationale for something like this? Well, let me give you a little bit of background that will help you understand. Whatever virtue to a boys' school there might be in terms of you know religion, whatever virtue to a boys' school there might be in terms of um, you, you know the, the the branding of the school and things like that, you can imagine its marketability. Um, the fact is there are some very solid psychological reasons for, uh, and even physiological reasons for developing boys at a young age in, in a different context from girls. Boys tend to fall behind girls intellectually very early in their lives. Around the time they start hitting school, um, it happens differently for, for different boys, and it doesn't happen at the, the same way for every boy, obviously. Um, but, but boys, by the time they get to junior high and high school, having slowly uh, fallen behind throughout elementary school, they can be as much as five to seven years behind intellectually girls of the same age. So you can have a 13-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl, but the boy is years behind. This is simply what happens. Boys don't develop intellectually and in a sense, even emotionally at the same speed as girls. Now, obviously, this is not the case in every situation. You may have a son and you're saying, well, my gosh, he's the top of the class and he's brilliant and he's the top athlete. Okay. not uh, Some boys are that way. On average, though, boys trail girls. And this continues, by the way, from early adolescence all the way through the college years. Again, because we're talking about developmental issues, not every boy, we're not talking about this being an exact, you know, on the third month of the 13 year, bam, he's seven years behind. That's not what I'm saying. But it can be that far, and it can it can be that much of a gap uh, in trailing girls. And it can be, uh, and often is, that a boy does not write himself, does not catch up until the college years. So 
when we do what we do in our modern public schools, and I understand why the methodology is used, that essentially you march students through school all based on age, right? Pretty much based on age. All the guys and girls in the seventh grade are basically the same age, and they got to the seventh grade by having moved through grades according to age. You started school at a certain age, uh, and then you progressed forward. There can be a little bit of difference based on which month of the year they're born in or whether they got put back for something or started later. Who knows what? Having grown up in the military, I saw a lot of that. Kids would get a late start or you know, they, their fathers would be assigned or mothers would be assigned somewhere in the world where the school wasn't ready or active or you know, hardship assignment or what have you. So I was very used to kids being of slightly different ages. But for the most part, an eighth grader, they're all basically the same age. The seventh graders, they're all basically the same age. A 15-year-old, all basically in the same grade. And so we move the kids through as though age is the determining factor in intellectual development. Well, but it isn't true. It's not, it's not true, by the way, even within uh, girlhood and boyhood, but it certainly isn't, isn't true between boys and girls. Boys trail girls quite a bit. And so a lot of damage can be done by essentially the educational establishment, and I do not speak of them as though they're negative. I have great respect for teachers, public school teachers. In my case, it would have been the Department of Defense Schools, which is an arm of the public schools, um, made a massive difference in my life. I'm very grateful to them, and I'm not inherently anti-public schools. Uh, clearly in America, we've got a crisis going in the public schools, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm opposed to the whole system. So I don't want to be understood that way. However, essentially, this is what we do in the, in the schools. We march people through according to age. Well, as a result, the educational establishment, as I was saying, look at boys as they fall behind and go, well, you're, you're, you're trailing. I don't get you. I don't understand why you aren't doing better. What's wrong with you? Why are you behind? Why do you, why do you trail? Add to this that boys are developing physically, of course, in ways that girls aren't. I don't, I don't just mean in terms of parts and, and, and body type. I'm talking about the kind of physicality they need, um, the, the, the way they, they learn, the physicality of even how they learn, uh, how much they need to blow off steam in order to be able to sit in a classroom. I want you to think about what we're asking the average student to do in the average school. They're meant to be sitting still and I mean, for six, seven hours a day. And now often there aren't recesses, we're understanding. Often there's not, are not music classes. Uh, often there aren't gym classes. Um, so a boy now, and this is bad for girls too, but a boy is asked to sit there from what, 7.30 in the morning? I'm just making this up in general. All school districts are different till three something in the afternoon. He or she, he may not get any kind of recess. He may not have a gym class. Um, and Lord knows he's expected not to be rowdy, not to run, not to push his buddies at the locker, um, you know, not to be adventurous, so to speak. He's meant to basically be, I mean this not negatively, but a girl. A girl has the ability to sit still, to be highly social in the classroom, and she's usually ahead of a boy, and so she can she can hang there for six hours doing intellectual work. 
a boy's head wants to spin around. He's not, he's not often capable of doing this. Now, please don't misunderstand. Again, I want to say one more time, not every boy, I'm not talking about every boy. People develop differently, and obviously boys get A's and B's, and obviously they don't just murder everybody in the classroom, and they, they go on to be successful academically. However, boys, for the most part, trail, struggle, have difficulty, okay? And one of the signs of this right now, that this system is... is uh, is not serving boys that well is if you, if you will examine the statistics about boys right now, let's just talk about the educational statistics, the number of boys in special education, the number of the boy, the, the, the studies, the surveys, the rates, the ratings of boys in terms of their reading ability, their math ability. Um, the fact that boys tend to be dropping out of school at a higher rate these days, the fact that males don't tend to go on for higher education as much as girls these days. And I've already said many times in this podcast, I am in favor of girls breaking every glass ceiling in the world. I'm thrilled for every degree. I'm glad women are rising. I, I believe in all of it. I, I often joke, I've got a daughter. I want her to be the Pope, the general, the president, the CEO, the, the everything. I want her to rise and accomplish great things. I'm as close to a feminist as my Christianity allows me to be. And you understand how I mean that. I'm as much an advocate for women as I, as I can be. Um, and we can get into the theological implications of that at another time. But all that to say, I believe that boys would be better served. Somebody else will have to address girls. I'm not an expert in that. But boys would be better served if there were options for them to have male schools. These schools would be structured differently. Boys socialize differently. Boys develop at different speeds. Boys need different levels of, you know, explosive physical activity and what have you. And also, while I'm thrilled for every female teacher I ever have had, and I celebrate women teachers, obviously this podcast, the last thing it is, is anti-woman. For heaven's sakes, that would be ridiculous. The fact of the matter is that boys need older males calling them out. Boys need some older males in their lives. That's why men often recount as they look back over their lives that we're grateful for the female teachers they had, but it was the male teacher or the coach that made the decisive difference, the male coach that is. Now, again, not putting down women, female teachers of boys at all. Again, that would be silly. But men, as Polya said, and as I agree, are necessary to call out men. Yes, women have a pronounced role. And thank God for the women who have stepped up into homes where uh, men have abandoned them and been irresponsible. Thank God for the grandmas and the mothers and the community mamas uh, who have made the difference. However, what I'm saying is nevertheless psychologically true. And that's why I think there's a great need need for a separation of schools. Now, obviously, the public schools can do that. There would be two schools for every one if we just separated boys and girls into separate schools. That's crazy. So obviously, it's got to be a private thing, and it's not going to be for everybody. Not everybody wants the kind of education that I'm describing. But I look at young boys, and by the way, let me not, let me not fail to mention that because the educational establishment doesn't know what to do with boys, uh, boys are... Uh, challenged because they don't have fathers in the home. Many of them, some ethnicities, a high rate of fatherlessness. Uh, boys are uh, st- struggling with uh, uh, obesity, uh, struggling with sedentary lifestyles, uh, struggling with lack of men who call them out and get them active. I could go on and on and on. As a result of all of that, the educational establishment not knowing what to do with misbehaving boys, they're drugging them a great deal. 
Uh, when I talk about men, when I talk about boys, I talk a great deal um, about an article in Esquire of a few years ago. Uh, it's got Mark Wahlberg on the cover if you want to find this. And the article's uh, entitled, The Drugging of the American Boy. And they make the point in this article, fine article, you can see it and get it online. It's, it's Googleable. You uh, fine article that makes the point that because the educational establishment and some parents don't know what to do with their boys developmentally, they're drugging them. If they misbehave, if they're overly physical, if they're agitated, if they're not doing well in school, they drug them. They give them drugs to try to get them to behave themselves and fit the group. Well, I think the group, when it comes to this boy trying to fit it, is part of the problem. Not condemning the group. I'm condemning the gap that has to be understood between the boy and the group. So, again, back to my fantasy. If I had Bill Gates, Warren Buffett kind of money, and I believed that this was a direction for my life... I would be thrilled to start a network of high-quality boys' schools around the country. You would understand boys. You'd have um, psychologists who specialize in boyhood and male development on faculty, on staff. You'd teach a little bit differently. You would achieve tremendous results intellectually. Don't think I'm going to diminish the intellectual side of this thing. In fact, there would be some things that we would emphasize that most schools don't. Um, for example, boys actually do well with certain kinds of detailed technical learning. Let me give you a quick example. There's a, there's a stage in a boy's life in which he often, many of them, invest themselves in unbelievably detailed learning and facts. Uh, a psychologist I know, I know calls this the dinosaur age. Uh, a boy, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, really gets into something. Maybe it's airplanes. Maybe it's race cars. Maybe it's sports figures and, and uh, you know, football cards and athlete cards. Um, and uh, or, or in, in the case of, uh, that gave this psychologist the idea, dinosaurs. And, man, you can turn to this 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, and you can ask about, I don't know, every pitcher in the entire league. Or you can ask about dinosaur names. Or you can ask about plane types. Or maybe he gets, uh, maybe it has to do with history. And he can tell you everything there is to know um, about Gettysburg or about World War II or, or about who knows what. But often boys do. They have a tremendous capacity for learning. It just has to be done a different way. And it often has to be connected with their visceral need for adventure and excitement. So history needs to be taught a little bit differently. But, it, but it's not that big of a shift. And boys will get engaged. You've got to engage their imaginations. I remember the famous quote by Winston Churchill. Where my, when he was talking about his school years, he said, where my imagination was not engaged, I could not. And then he was honest and said, or I could, or I would not learn. <laughs> so you have to do it a little bit differently with boys, not because they're better than girls or, or, or deserve special treatment, but because this is how you unlock their souls and their minds. You know, one of the guys I've written about and I like it very much is George W. Bush. Let's not talk politically for a moment. Let's just talk developmentally. Uh, he is a man of high IQ. In fact, it's a fact that he has a higher IQ than anybody he ever ran against, except he's just not very articulate, so he doesn't seem to be the high IQ kind of guy. And so when he went to uh, Phillips Exeter, uh, his prep school, there was a history teacher there who was also the football coach, and he was a man who had been deformed by polio, and so he walked around with a with a with a brace. And when he would lecture about history and talk about wars, he banged the brace against a trash can or a wall or a desk, and he would be excited and expressive. I actually interviewed this man 
um, when I was writing the book, The Faith of George W. Bush. And then on the, on the football field, he'd do the same thing. Well, he absolutely unpacked George W. Bush's soul. He, he drew him out. He called him to believe in himself. He called him to the imagination, adventure, and excitement of history. And it changed George W. Bush. Now, he may not be your cup of tea when it comes to politics, but the point is the man went from being possibly the wastrel son of a famous man to being a man of substance on his own because this teacher, and this is what George W. Bush himself says, because this teacher awakened his soul and instructed his mind and drew him out. So this is what I would do if I could. But the point is not what Stephen Mansfield would do with his time uh, or his money. The point is that we understand boys better. The, The little bit of information I've given right here in this podcast, it should change the way we father and mother our sons. It should change the way we challenge them. It should it should perhaps change some of the educational choices that we make. We don't have a whole network of boys' schools out there, and I'm not suggesting that's the only solution. But at least understanding a boy. Um, I had absolute misery when I was in the 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Just misery, 5th grade. I mean, terrible. It, just, it was horrible. And a lot of it I came to understand later as I studied men and, and began to be taught by some psychologists who understood these things, a lot of it just had to do with the natural speed uh, at which boys develop and uh, the, the, their, their biological needs, so to speak, for adventure, for energy, for movement, etc. So I hope that someone else in another podcast is talking about girls, their needs. It's just not my specialty. I don't mean to diminish them by neglect. I, it's just not what I do. But boys, I get I eventually became a guy with a doctorate who teaches and writes. But if you had met me when I was in the seventh, eighth grade, you would have thought probably I was an idiot uh, and destined to not use my brain for anything of value. And that's just the way I was being reinforced by the educational system. And that didn't help that I was in military, not military schools, but Department of Defense schools and a son of an army officer and moving almost every year of my life. And so that, that, that prevented the continuity that often helps a boy. So let's just be sensitive to our boys. Let's be aware of the intellectual challenges. Let's try to get educated about these things. Let's be a little cautious about drugging a boy. Man, if you need medicines, I am not anti-medicine. Get what you need. Let's just be sure that we're not jumping into a default response to natural boyhood of drugging them and labeling them and uh, damaging them in that process when in fact they're probably nothing more than just natural, normal boys. So part of a great men's movement, part of what we're here to do as men who want to be good and noble and righteous men is that we bring up the next generation. And part of that is understanding the unique psychology and biology of boys as they develop. Let's be advisors to teachers. Let's be advisors in the schools. Uh, If you're in the schools, let's learn what we need to know. By the way, for those of you who are uh, high-level academics and so on, we need degrees in men's studies, not just to be mad and pissy about uh, the women's studies programs in the universities. We need real training and development. Those of you who are MDs, we need to understand the issues that I've been talking about uh, in great in greater detail, obviously, than I could master or would be able to put out in a podcast. You know what I mean? What is the biology of boys? What is the medical profile of boys? How can we help them? How can we develop them? How can we advise the schools? How can we raise up a generation of boys? Unfathered, unmentored, frustrated boys are terrorizing our society in many ways. We can fix this if we'll learn to mentor them and grow them well. 
because this is one of the great arts of noble manhood. To join the Great Man Movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 